Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com slash play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com slash play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. It is SNY.TV's The Juice on the Cuse podcast, covering Syracuse basketball, lacrosse, and football. Today on The Juice on the Cuse podcast on SNY.TV, we'll be talking about a disappointing loss to Maryland and a look forward to Clemson. I'm Wes Chang, and I'll be joined later by Brad Bierman and our guest today's former Syracuse linebacker and friend of the show, Jake Flaherty. Jake, thanks so much for coming back on the program. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Jake, sure. It's always a pleasure to have you on, and I want to get you started on this one. Really tough loss for Syracuse over the weekend, losing to Maryland 63-20. to The game was looked at as a coin flip heading in, so what do you think are some of the factors that contributed to the loss? I think the main factor was that it's so early in the season, and I think historically a lot of teams kind of figure out who they are in the first you know, one to three games of any season. And uh, I think Coach Baber said in the press release that, you know, this was not the team that finished the season last year. And uh, I think that was just kind of good for all of them to see, you know, who they really were or, excuse me, who they really are at this point in the season, so early in the season. Tommy DeVito played a little bit last year, but this is his first year as the unquestioned starting quarterback, and it's only his second start. To me, he looked more comfortable than he did against Liberty, throwing for three touchdowns. Did you see the same thing? I thought he looked solid. You know, I think there were there were times where he looked like he was really doing what he should be doing, and uh, he seems like he's got a great attitude and and you know, a good work ethic and stuff like that. So he's probably one of those quarterbacks that's just going to get better and better as the season goes on. And, you know, although he did, he does have some experience uh, with, you know, our guy being gone from last year, it's, it's uh, one of those deals where he'll probably just get better as he gets some more games underneath his belt as a, as a true starter. Jake, you're a former Syracuse linebacker. You were captain in 2008. You know linebacking as well as anyone. Ever since Dino Bapers arrived on campus, he's had different groups of starting linebackers each year. This year, no different with Lakeem Williams and Andrew Armstrong. 
What do you think of the two of them, and where do you see them improving as the year goes on? Well, I think they're both pretty athletic, rangy guys, and I think it was Andrew Armstrong who made a really nice play on the Ted scheme um, with a guard tackle pull. And he did a really, really nice job kind of skating over and, and uh, making the play for a loss of one or two yards, I can't remember. But, um, you know, plays like that, I think they just need to kind of build on and they just need to make more of them, you know. So I can I can look back and remember as a starter when I was a junior and, and just the first one or two games of the season, uh, you're still kind of getting your sea legs out there. So you might not be as smooth as you'd like to be, but, uh, you know, those guys certainly have every capability to be some of the better linebackers in the conference. Jake, if you were a coach or a leader on this team, what are you telling your players or teammates after a loss like this, especially if you're heading into a matchup with the number one team in the country in Clemson? You know, I would just tell them that sometimes a loss like that is exactly what you do need early in the season. And, uh, it's it's very sobering, I can imagine, and it didn't seem like Syracuse was pulling out all the stops, you know. So I wonder. I sometimes wondered if they were being conservative, purposely going into next week's game. And so I basically would tell them, if I were a leader or a coach of the team, I'd say, "Hey guys, you know, let's look at the film, let's see what we did wrong here, let's correct the mistakes, and then really you just have to forget about that game." and uh, you know, move on to Clemson. I'm sure. I'm sure it's it's probably difficult not to look ahead to the number one team coming into your 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 dome stadium. Um, so you wonder if that played a part. But you know, Coach Babers does such a good job of getting those guys ready to play. Uh, yeah, I would just say you know, correct the mistakes and then move on. Let's go. Let's go beat Clemson. Jake, we'll get you out of here on this one. How do you see the rest of the season playing out? Can Syracuse replicate some of the success they had in 2018? I really do. I think, you know, there's no reason why they can't go in and win every single game uh, remaining in their schedule. I mean, that's, I know for certain that's how Coach Babers is thinking with his mindset. uh, And that's a lot of the players' mindset uh, that there's, you know, they'll, they'll, they know themselves well enough. They've had success in the past and they know that they can turn it around uh, and they know that it's up to them. So, I mean, it's just one, one, one game that's, you know, not going to define the rest of their season. Jake, thanks so much for coming on the program again, former Syracuse linebacker and captain of the 2008 football team, Jake Flaherty. Great job. Enjoy the rest of the season. We'll talk with you soon. Thank you for having me. Always enjoy speaking with our great friend, Jake Flaherty. I'm now joined over the phone by the Juice Online Editor-in-Chief, Brad Bierman. Brad, how are you today? I'm doing well, Wes. Thank you. Brad Syracuse with a really brutal 63-20 to loss to Maryland on the road. They were a coin flip from Vegas heading into the game. Syracuse an initial three-point favorite before it changed to a one-point Maryland favorite before the start of the game. I don't think anyone predicted that it was going to be a 43-point route for Maryland. You were covering the game. You were there in Maryland. What did you see? Well, I saw you're correct. No one could have predicted the game, but it kind of goes back. I wanted to start off on what I had written last week in Orange Watch about the inequities in scheduling the first games of the season and the need to have a tune-up game in college football. So think about it this way. If Syracuse and Liberty was the so-called preseason or exhibition game, 10-minute quarters, 
treated differently where the coaching staffs could have experimented, rotated a lot of players in and out. And maybe that was against a Buffalo. So it was only a bus trip for Syracuse or Buffalo. And, and you know, you're playing in the dome. Obviously it, it's going to be a crowd, you know, 10, 15, 20,000, whatever you figure all those logistics out. And then it came like Maryland has Howard, right? Short bus ride from Washington, DC, going up to the Maryland campus. Let's Maryland get the kinks out in game one. So there's not a 79 nothing score for Maryland Howard. It's not a 24 nothing score for Syracuse Liberty. Then you have the first game of the season, Syracuse against Maryland. So you can w- look at it from one or two ways. The way I just described, it might have been different with having some sort of exhibition tune-up, watching film against you know, other teams, even with inferior talent and then playing the first game, and now we really know the difference between Syracuse and Maryland from preseason rankings, which, of course, we both know don't mean anything. Or we look at it, okay, it's the first game of the season. Uh Uh-oh, we have trouble in our time. So I think, you know, you came out from three and out for Syracuse on receiving the opening kickoff. Maryland gets the ball, goes right down to score, 7 nothing. And it snowballed from there. So, Wes, I kind of asked you two back, which Syracuse team are we really seeing? So, after this final score, it's really hard to tell. And I think Dino Babers, you know, said it in that coach quote, we're not as good as we were in the first game. I don't believe we're as bad as we were in the second. So, that's where I go uh, on first before even getting to some of the specifics of what happened on the field. Brad, let's get to some of those specifics. Syracuse's defense was looked at as a strength of the team. They were more experienced in the offense. The defensive line was looked at as one of the top units in the ACC. The secondary, of course, led by All-American Andre Sisco, who did have an interception. But they got 63 points hung on them. What happened to the defense? Well, where I'm, I'm at from looking at you know, virtually every play in the binoculars, I think really in grounding expectations, here's where we are. From a depth standpoint, it's still building in year four for Dino Babers. Let's look at it last year. You had a real exception in a quarterback, the most important position by a player named Eric Dungy. I mean, you just can't, you know, undervalue that. I mean, that, that, that he led the team to a 10 and three record and a, a bold victory came back from being hurt in the Notre Dame game as well. So, this team, from a depth standpoint, really has it. You know, sure, they're there as real fr- true freshmen, some redshirt freshmen, you know, the guys that are playing on defense. And you know, that's what we're talking about with missed tackles, inexperience, out of position, the secondary that was raved about, still looking to me and defensively the linebacker for a step really slow. You know, for, for the power five players, the top notch level athletes at every school or certainly that you know dot the clemson roster and i think teams you know this big state university you know virginia's got great athletes you know north carolina is proven with a good coach at two and oh has great athletes i still think florida state has great athletes you know coaching is is a problem there so i think some of that was exposed that the depth less still needs to be built and dino babers knows that it could be a five six seven year total plan to your rotating in players that can bring that level of play up to be consistent. So the other thing is missed tackles. It just drives, you know, fans, coaches crazy. And my other thought on missed tackles is 
looking at, you know, why did UCLA lose to San Diego State? Why did Washington lose at home to Cal? Well, I went and read the coaches' quotes. Chip Kelly and Chris Peterson missed tackles. What's Dino Baber saying after Maryland? Missed tackles. I think it's an epidemic in the game today. I think it's the video game syndrome. I mean, you want to be you know, flash and you know mimic what you see, but you lose the fundamentals, and that's what I see in the binoculars. Brad, let's take a step back from the game. I look at a team like Maryland. I think there are a lot of comparisons that can be drawn between Maryland and Syracuse. They're both Power 5 programs that change conferences around the same time. They've had a similar trajectory in sports. I always look at Maryland winning a national title in basketball in 2002, and then Syracuse winning one one year later in 2003. Their football teams have been strong at times, weaker at others. I think there are a lot of parallels here. Do you agree? Yeah, there's some eerie similarities, and you kind of go, uh, went, went right where I'm going. Not only did these programs, uh, athletic departments, win, finally win basketball championships, and you know, say finally, looking at Maryland was in the ACC all those years, you know, fighting off the Dukes, North Carolinas, NC State, and Virginias. Uh, longtime coach and Gary Williams, a Hall of Famer. Syracuse a year later in '03, Maryland in '02, then Syracuse in '03. Finally, you know, catches in longtime Hall of Fame coach Jim Beheim. Both football programs won their titles in the 50s. Maryland 52, Syracuse 59. Both played in legendary field houses, Cole Fieldhouse in Maryland, Manly Fieldhouse at Syracuse. Both now have been converted to indoor football facilities. In the case of Maryland, they were touting this new 21st century sports medicine addition to the whole thing with performance testing, et cetera. So going in that future 21st century direction, both play in stadium facilities, you know, the carrier dome, a little bit aging, Maryland stadium, certainly aging, both neither have seats or all, you know, rows for spectators. So uh, it's just, you know, eerie in that Maryland's a state school, but Syracuse is a private school, both great in lacrosse, but, it just struck me while sitting there during the game. And so now you take that down to the football program this year. Both have energetic coaches that have been around the country. Michael Waxley coming from Alabama to, to Maryland, his second go-around. Of course, Dino Baber's long career, Baylor, and then his head coaching uh, you know, tenure to get the experience to land a Power 5 job. And then as they construct their teams. Well, what Maryland is, the story now has been so surprising after the game one in that they bring in a transfer portal, which Dino Babers has used, and Alton Robinson, and, uh, you know, getting players on the offensive line. Uh, Michael Watchley you know, targets him for the quarterback that he needs to run his system, and it gets Josh Jackson from Virginia Tech. Syracuse Dino Babers you know, recruited the quarterback that he wanted for his system, a passing, you know, pocket-type quarterback has to have some mobility, and he goes to the camps, whatever, and recruits for the last couple of years, and it's Tommy DeVito. So here we are with Tommy DeVito, you know, Josh Jackson, and looking at that comparison in that game, wow, what a difference when you're looking at the binoculars. An experienced player is playing in power five games, but he can run and he can throw. Tommy DeVito, you know, we've yet to see completely is he going to have that part of his game to me, you know, in the Binocs, after two games, Wes, he's running for his life. You know, when, when protection breaks down, he's still trying to get that communication intact with his wide receivers. When they're on, there's some beautiful plays. When they're off, it looks ugly. We've seen the interceptions. We've seen the turnovers. So 
it kind of all now boils all the way down to that key position on the field. To me, in this day and age, you need a quarterback that can, you know, can do both. The, the Kyler Murray, the Lamar Jackson. I really think it has to be that kind of player, especially in the college game. They didn't think that would migrate to the pros. Well, those two players are certainly proving everybody wrong. So I, I kind of see taking it down from 10,000 feet with these two schools now as we go right down to the 2019 football season at the most important position. What a kind of dynamic difference it is you know, between those two players, and, and we'll see how the season plays out. Brad, we are right at the end of our show. Your closing thoughts. My closing thoughts wrap around, well, I feel for all the people that wanted ESPN's college game day to come to the Syracuse campus. Heck, I certainly wanted to come to Syracuse as well, being that it's only one of five major schools that the TV program hasn't you know, appeared live before a game. I appreciate, obviously, John Wildack's long career there and the great job he's done running the athletic department in his uh, tenure so far at Syracuse. But as someone you're growing up seeing ESPN from day one, Work, uh, knowing in many people that worked at the company through the years, seeing the growth of it, it, it's never caught me the dynamic as it has, you know, as the show has gained popularity once they went on campuses, had the live audiences, the science and all that fun. So just a, just a different perspective. I, I saw all the talk, will we have game day? Will we want? Well, I certainly, certainly hoping Syracuse will get game day. I see it's now going to be in Iowa instead this week because Syracuse uh, fell to one and one. But just that the uh, celebratory nature and everyone you know, talking and panting at times practically about game day just never struck me as you know, why that was just so popular. That's my final thought. Brad, my closing thoughts are on former Syracuse defensive lineman Chandler Jones. Jones had a sack and a forced fumble during opening weekend for the Cardinals, and his 42 sacks since joining Arizona are the most by any NFL player during that same time period of 2016 to present. Syracuse has had a long tradition of placing players in the NFL Hall of Fame, and Jones may just be that next great Syracuse player enshrined in Canton. That's it for us for Brad Bierman. This is Wes Chang reminding you that I'm the king at calling myself the king of things. You've been listening to the Juice on the Cues podcast on SNY.TV, and we'll see you next time. This has been the Juice on the Cues podcast, part of the SNY.TV audio network.